Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. He needs some help. Whereas you take out a lot of those uh, variables in practice and, and you can kind of drill it down to stuff like that. And so for Spencer, it really was a matter of just excelling in practice and in the game itself. But I would also argue it was kind of what I expected out of him. Those of us who have watched him the last two years here in Columbia, it, um, it wasn't really out of character at all. There's another, I think, phenomenon that we see during these game weeks and in any kind of evaluation pro- process that I just wanted to hit on real quick, and that is, you know, like you see it. Let's let's back up to like high school recruiting. I, I remember, uh, and Wes will remember this too, when Pharaoh Cooper came out. He used to be a two-star prospect. He had like an East Carolina offer. Wasn't a highly recruited, highly ranked guy. Had a big senior year. Went to the Shrine Bowl. Had a great week there. Had a great game there. And he moved up to four-star status. And there would be a lot of people that were like, Farrah Cooper, he should be a five-star. You know, blah, blah. And so when we see – I draw that parallel to, like, a senior bowl week, right, or, or an east-west Shrine game week, whatever. Or even just a guy like Xavier Leggett having a huge, great senior year on the field in college. You know, those things can raise your stock. That doesn't mean it's going to raise it to where you're a first-round pick. There's 32 first-round picks, right? Sure. You think about uh, in, in high, for high school recruiting, the amount of five stars in a class. On three, for instance, they have to mirror the first round of the draft. They have 32 five stars. Some services have like 20-something every year, 26, right. 25. That that means you are the elite of the elite, right? And so 
nobody expect has expected Spencer Rattler to be like the first quarterback taken in the draft, right? He had though a really really good week. That doesn't equate to oh he, now he's a first round pick now, right? And I say that just to set expectations. You talk to some scouts. I know Mike Yuva talked to some scouts that were out there. I talked to some people that, you know, were either out there or talked to some scouts. And he did help himself. He helped his stock uh, with his performance in the game, his performance throughout the week, and talking to teams. Not surprisingly, like you said, Wes, kind of what we expected. They're all impressed with Spencer Rattler. We know that Dow Loggins and Shane Beamer and everybody in that building in Columbia are going to say great things about him, too, and give great feedback to teams. So he has helped himself. I think he's raised his stock, but it's important to when the draft comes in April, you know, Spencer Rattler's probably not going in the first round, right? Sure. But has he helped his stock? Absolutely. And that's and that's the goal here. And, and reading some of the mock drafts, you know, going into the weekend, coming away from the weekend, he's still, you know, somewhere in the late uh, second round, maybe mid-third round, which is kind of what we expected. But I think the benefit from having a week like this at the Senior Bowl, and he, you know, talked about it, at one point last week, you know, getting to run like the Patriots offense and, you know, these different type of offenses. And again, getting to see, you know, these scouts getting to look at them up close and personal where they can look at this and say, okay, well, if we, if he's still around, we're drafting in the third round. Hey, maybe we'll take this guy again. It all goes back to position needs. And you look at all the mock drafts and stuff like that. And, you know, they may get a few picks, right? But for the most part, it really has to do with, you know, who picks where and what teams need at certain times yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So I was looking at one earlier that said he was going to go to the Rams at 83. That doesn't mean that's going to happen, but that could be around where, you know, he ends up. And again, just kind of depends on team needs and, and who wants what. But, you know, looking at his performance and, and again, kind of validating what a lot of people have been saying about him with his arm strength, with decision-making, all that kind of stuff, where he's kind of cut down on being as erratic as he was early in his college career. Some team may look at him and say, hey, we'll draft him in the third round, and maybe he's not our day one starter, but if we feel like we need to make a change to quarterback, we feel comfortable going to him at some point down the line. Well, I look, especially in games where a backup does have to go play, I look around the league, and I I remember watching games this year and just – thinking of it in the context of Spencer Rattler and being like, Spencer's more talented than a lot of these guys. Do you and, know how many quarterbacks started this past year in the NFL? Oh, God. No idea. Yes. Do you know? <laughs> no. 66. Yeah. That's a record. Man. Spencer, no matter where he ends up, and and he probably won't be drafted to just go be a starter. Right, yeah. But no matter where he ends up, I, I think he'll ultimately get a shot. And if you can play at that position, you'll be able to keep a spot in the league. And, and it may be you're at one team and, hey, you show what you can do as a backup, and then a couple years later you get your chance to start somewhere. But, you know, you, you'll eventually, if, if you can play, you'll find your role in the National Football League at the quarterback position. And, and again, ultimately it's going to be about him going out there and executing and being consistent and stuff like that. But just from a talent standpoint, I, I watch some of these guys, I'm like, Spencer makes that throw in his sleep. And so I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how how this looks when it when it all kind of plays out. And, you know, I, I, I just look at kind of the, the fact that NFL teams, and I think it was um, – I think it was Jim Nagy had this take basically that a lot of the teams seem to be a little bit higher on Spencer than the media, um, national media kind of 
like the draft gurus type people? Anticipated. I, he he said the media, so I, I guess that's just perception and, and yeah. what what is said about Spencer. It's interesting you bring that up because I saw a lot of people talking about this coming away from, you know, seeing the positive, you know, hype that he was getting coming away from this week and people bring up, oh, he's turnover prone. Oh, he makes bad decisions. Yes, at one point in his career at Oklahoma, even coming into South Carolina in 2022, he did make some ill-advised throws that did lead to turnovers. But I think you look at what he did this past season, and again, without a whole lot of help around him from an offensive line and a running back standpoint, like I thought his decision-making was significantly better. And, you know, again, maybe it's just because of years and years of having that narrative stuck to you, it's harder to shake. But I would say he's making marginal improvements on his decision-making and cutting down the erratic throws. I also wonder how much does playing in a quote unquote pro style scheme, whatever that means these days, but I'm I'm more speaking about playing under center. A, a lot of these college offenses is shotgun, 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 shotgun. And it may seem really simple to just go from playing in shotgun to playing under center, but it, it's not. Um first of all, the very first part of a play, taking a snap under center, just quite literally, versus just catching a, a snap from a shotgun, is there, there's a technique to that. Then your footwork, it, it's not you just playing in the yard and dropping back to pass, goofing off with your friends. The footwork being under center, completely different. The landmarks that you have to get to playing under center versus playing shotgun, completely different. And then just the process of turning your back to the defense when you're going play action from under center. That, that's something, if you're playing out of shotgun, your eyes are always forward. If you're going play action from under center, you're having to turn your back to the defense, you lose vision of where everything is, and then you have to re-sort of calibrate and process where things are. I wonder if the amount of under center that he did at South Carolina helped his comfort level at the Senior Bowl this week, and if that was something teams looked at because – to me, he just looked – I was looking at clips from practice and then in the game there was quite a bit of under center and he just looked like it was second nature as opposed to somebody who was having to think about that or be deliberate about that. Well, and another point that Jim Nagy made during the season – remember when they had him on the broadcast to one of the games? Was that A&M maybe? I think it was the Missouri Missouri, game. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, Missouri. Yeah, and he had some great stuff even then. And, and this kind of trajectory continued throughout the year. You know, Spencer was obviously he was under duress for a lot of the season. So seeing how he handled that physically and mentally, you know, from a leadership standpoint, he, he kept – he got knocked down, kept getting back up. And then, you know, improving on some key areas of his game. And, and the two – you know, we always knew the guy had tremendous arm talent. That's always been there. But the things you saw is despite – all that pressure that he was under for much of the season, he still put up good numbers. He still showed great leadership. He showed uh, he took a leap from 2022 to 2023 with his legs, like making all the – his mobility will probably be underrated for eternity. Um, and then the other thing was cutting down, as you guys said, on the on the turnovers, some of like the, the quote-unquote bad turnovers. You just didn't see as many of those. And I think those two things were his goal coming into the year, and he was able to accomplish those under – tough circumstances at times so uh, there's no doubt I think we combine all those things and, and the week he had at the senior bowl that's that's really helped his stock yeah absolutely and again drafts a couple months away so still some work to be done uh leading up to that but um I'm very excited to see where both 
Rattler as well as they really get, you know, end up uh, end up uh, playing their careers at the uh, at the next level. It was an exciting weekend on the hardwood as well, both men's and women's basketball in action, both of them picking up victories and I believe it's time for the return of Make Your Case. Oh, it is time. Men's basketball edition. That is coming up right here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Abdul Rahim, who takes a dribble into the high post, misses the mid-range jumper. Jacoby Wright grabs the rebound. Michi from 30 feet, got it! Oh. No idea what led him to decide to let her rip from there, but he nails the three, and the Gamecocks say, yes, we'll take it. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. That was the call on Saturday. Derek Scott and the Gamecocks Radio Network. Amici Johnson nailing a three, getting himself back on track a little bit, scoring the double figures after having a rough couple of games, uh, scoring a total of three points in the last two contests. Quick reminder, coming up tomorrow night, men's basketball back in action as they take on Ole Miss pregame coverage starting at 6 o'clock. Tip-off time is at 6.30, which you can listen to right here on the game. When that game rolls around, we assume South Carolina is finally going to have a number next to its name. Rankings should be coming out here within the next hour or so but chris had a really good idea i think it's time to make your case on what number that should be yes we're going to make our case of course those rankings will be coming out soon um but guys there's been there's been a lot of interesting conversation about this and so before we give our our takes our picks before we make our case i should say a, a couple notes here so, that I gathered this morning. So Gary, I actually like reading Gary Parish. He he seems to watch a lot of basketball. C, CBS Sports. Gary Parish, and he updates his rankings very frequently. Mm-hmm. Not just is it like every day? I think uh, close to it, it. It's, it's close to every day after each round of games that are that are relevant at least. And so um, he has moved Kansas up to number one, Wisconsin to number two. For context, he has South Carolina after beating Tennessee and Georgia on the road, number 13. So he has the Gamecocks landing in the top 15. Another one that has gone around, and we've got to give this some air time, Seth Davis, who also is a College Hoops reporter for CBS Sports. Have you seen his latest tweet, though? Oh, that's rough. Yeah, I just saw that. He just forgot. He forgot to rank them. Well, you know, when you put out your list at 3 a.m., you know, I, I maybe, maybe you're when, not of the clearest I saw mind. That, yeah, so you go through, and he's got he's got UConn number one, Indiana State 25, no South Carolina in there. I read it like 15 times. And he just literally – so at my like, first reading was like, surely he just forgot. Because we have all been – like, I know I've written stuff before. Sure. And people have pointed out, you forgot, you know, completely obvious thing X. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. It happens. Forgotten players, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah. like well, doing a list of running backs and forget like the forgot, number two back. You forgot the starter. <laughs> it's like, okay. But, but I mean, I get it and I don't. Like, I, I get it. And we, we got to remember, all right, we're looking at this, fans are looking at this from the South Carolina bubble. Sure. It's a great national story. Seth Davis and all these guys, they're watching, hopefully they're watching. Hopefully, yeah. Lots of teams all week long. And so, 
South Carolina to them is just another team. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, most of the time, because you never know what people's actual motivations are, most of the time in stuff like this, it really, truly, I promise you, is nothing personal towards your team. Right. It may feel that way, but it's not. And I, and I actually, I kind of like the fact that South Carolina wasn't ranked last week. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think it was just the edge they needed to to kind of keep this thing going a little bit. Like, yeah. I, I think you you use every... I, I I said this last week. I'd print off the top 25. I'd print off Seth Davis's top 25. I wouldn't show <laughs> the guys... The next I would not show the guys this tweet. I'd print off that top 25 and say, guess what, guys? You got Ole Miss coming here tomorrow night who, by the way, is a pretty daggum good basketball oh, yeah. team. Yeah. But this guy still doesn't think you're top 25. I, I'd use every ounce of this all of it for motivation. Uh, but and he, he goes on to say, no excuse, but, I mean, he, he quite literally did forget. Yeah, and I think you make a good point. It's, it's prob- There is probably some inherent and I don't mean this negatively like some bias if like you're a national college basketball reporter and you're going through a week of basketball games fair or not on your mind more is what did Kansas do this week Mm -hmm. what did Arizona do and so you're going to be more a little bit more just because there's teams that are always up there they're always good they're big national names and so you might lose when you're going through your top 25 you're never going to forget oh Kansas like uh, I that's much harder to do. But I think you're right, Wes. You go through Girl Lamont Paris. Man, they got Wisconsin. Gary Parrish has Wisconsin above you. They've lost six games. You know, the, y'all have only lost three. I think you use that for sure. All right. Now it's time. We don't know what they'll be ranked in the AP. Wes Mitchell, make your case. What is South Carolina? What should they be ranked and why? What should they be ranked and why? I should have done my homework. This is how I felt in junior high calculus. Um, <laughs> sorry, Mr. Good. But I – so I have South Carolina. Somebody asked me over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Where will they be ranked? Okay. I said they're going to be number 22. Okay. I, I don't know why. That's just the number That's that popped in my in. head. Okay. I, I think there will be a little – There'll be a little bit of a reaction to the fact that there was such an outcry from fans last week just hammering these voters. I mean, you had people, a buddy of mine literally started going down the list of AP voters, emailing them. Nice. Saying, uh, hey, man, and and politely saying, hey, man, what happened here? (laughs) Or, hey, woman, what happened here? What you doing? What's going on here? And... Honestly, some of the responses were actually similar to what Seth Davis just said. Like, not, not I forgot, but kind of just like, oh, yeah, I wasn't really thinking about. Overlooked. Overlooked. They're I mean, not Kansas or Arizona or yeah. whatever. So, you know what, guys? As I'm talking, I'm going to revise my, my answer. Yeah. I, I think most of the voters, except for maybe Seth Davis here, are probably going to be – affected a little bit by hearing from uh, their constituents, basically. Uh, write your congressman. So I- I'm going to say South Carolina will be – they'll be 18. Um, yeah. Is that at, where they should be? 
I think that's about right. About fair. If you, if yeah. you look at, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've watched the other 24 teams. Mm-hmm. I have not. But when when you, you don't have to be a blue blood at this point. When you win the games they've won, and I I think going to Athens and winning on Saturday the way they did, being down in the first half, once again not panicking, just doing what they do. Mm-hmm. It's it's not as impressive as going to Knoxville and winning. I'm not going to go that far, but it's still pretty dang impressive. Uh, I think not having letdowns against Georgia and then was it Missouri? Not having those letdowns after the wins over Kentucky and Tennessee tells me that this team is for real and deserves to be a top 20 team as opposed to being kind of a, oh, they got hot on that particular night and just rode the wave of a home crowd against Kentucky. Um, Doing what they did on the road at Tennessee and then not having letdowns Puts them firmly in the top 20, in my opinion. If I had a gavel, I would. <laughs> nice job, Wes. Number 17, Tyler. No, I said 18. I said 18. I'm sorry. 18. I don't really do um, odd numbers very often. Me, me either. I was All right, go, well, what, yeah. what even number do you have them at, Tyler? Legitimately, I had 18 as well. Okay. So I, I'll add to what he said. I, I think you also have to take into account what else has happened in the top 25 because, again, it has to take yeah. teams falling out or teams moving around for South Carolina to jump in and uh, and move around themselves. And you did have some upsets. You had North Carolina losing earlier in the week to Georgia Tech. Obviously, Kentucky's lost you know a couple games in a row now after they got beat by Florida and uh, in Tennessee this past week. And I do expect South Carolina to to be ahead of them. You know, Alabama's the the team that South Carolina has the worst loss to. They're sitting at twenty four in last week's rankings. I expect them to jump up a few notches with the games that they've won. So I don't think South Carolina can leap all the way into the top fifteen just because I don't think we've had that sheer amount of chaos to justify something like that but I think 18 is a pretty solid number of you're in and you're not on the fringe you're pretty solidly in and um obviously have the opportunity to continue to build from there um if you keep winning yeah and by the way I misspoke earlier Gary Parrish has Purdue at number one um as the new number one they are 21 and two uh, I had a Freudian slip earlier I have South Carolina 17 I'm okay. not afraid of odd numbers you just prices right at us that's right um one spot ahead and, and you know I think if it's around there that's probably fair like you could make a case literally one way or another sure you can't say oh, it's completely obvious they should be number eight in the country I, I don't think so there's a lot yeah. of other good teams sure. around here Gary Parrish has Kentucky completely out of the top 25 by the Ooh, way I so wouldn't be shocked by that so necessarily 18 18 and 17 that's our picks yeah I, th- I think that yeah. And again, th- this isn't the end-all, be-all. It's just kind right. of more of a, a gauge of what the general consensus thinks about where teams are necessarily. And, you know, again, the ultimate goal at the end of the season is making the NCAA tournament, and South Carolina keeps winning. They'll do just that, no problem. Yeah, at the end of the day, rankings don't really matter that much. I I think for South Carolina, though, it is just – it's a little bit of a nod to a team that was picked last in the SEC. Right. So I – I, me personally, I don't care about rankings, honestly, at all. But I can see how fans and even the team cares because they've earned that distinction. So it's it's being taken away from them right now probably because nobody had those expectations for them this season. But I could see why it would be important to them to be honored with that. But, again, I think it's actually somewhat been a good thing because it's been a good motivating factor. 
Again, those new rankings should be coming out in just about an hour or so, and we'll see where South Carolina ends up. Over the weekend, the NCAA offered a response to the lawsuit being brought forth by Tennessee and Virginia. What they have to say with that next the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell. Chris Clark along with you on this Monday morning reminder. You can always listen to us on the 107.5 The Game app. Just head to your app store, download it, and listen to us wherever you go. Also, check us out on the Game TV. Just go to YouTube.com, search the Game TV, and watch us all day long here on the Game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. We're keeping an eye on everything going on with this uh, lawsuit now put forth by the Attorney Generals of both Tennessee and Virginia last week after the announcement of the NCAA investigating Tennessee in reference to NIL violations as it pertained to mainly uh, Nico Ima Lavea, the five-star quarterback uh, in his high school recruiting a couple seasons ago. Again, this is going to court. It's going to be a long, drawn-out process. It's going to take time. But the NCAA offered their response to the lawsuit the other day, and this is per Pete Nakos of On3 and his write-up of it. The NCAA's argument also challenges that allowing inducements would throw off the competitive balance of college sports and the response, they said, allowing member institutions and associated groups or individuals to induce prospective student-athletes to attend a particular institution by offering NIL compensation would inevitably lead to a greater concentration of talent in a smaller number of member institutions. And again, as we talk about so much with the NCAA, we're not naive. This kind of thing is already happening anyway. It's, it's like they're pretending like they're preventing it from happening, but we're already kind of there, right? Yeah, we are there. Um, and, and I think we're at the point with the NCAA, we're at the same point we have been where they get taken to court and they they don't have great arguments based on what's being presented in court. They have been, they're making the same arguments that they've been making and they have been losing those arguments. Now, sometimes you're in a different court. It might go differently, right? But... Um, Instead of saying, instead of being able to argue, hey, you know, our our policies or our guidance is legal. That's what you need to argue in this right. situation. They really can't, you know, and I mean, their attorneys know that. So they are left to argue the same things that they have been arguing and losing, which is things like, well, uh, people don't enjoy the sport as much if if athletes get in out of this. Not true. They've got this argument that they've made here that you just brought up, Tyler, which is basically, you know, well, the competitive balance is going to get thrown off. It's going to be this. We've already had, again, we are in this era that they're saying they're trying to prevent in court. We're already there. And and because of the NIL, because of the NCAA's kind of ever-changing, very, I saw the word Byzantine, like guidance, these memos that come out, that it's always changing. You don't know what what the latest is, and it's all just kind of a charade, basically. Um, we've already been in this place where funds are getting used for NIL, and we haven't seen a concentration of power at just two or three schools. If anything, we've seen it go the other direction, yeah, I, I think. I, and, and it's... I don't like when people take a small amount of data and just sort of say, hey, this is now a fact. But, I mean, look at just kind of the top 
you want to take the top 32, all, you know, the five stars in a class, and how they're being spread out now compared to before when you just had this concentration of players. Now, now Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, they're still going to recruit incredibly well. Don't get me wrong. But sure. the, the, the talent otherwise is, I believe, not going to be as top heavy. Would, would Ole Miss be able to do what they are doing right now before this combination of transfer portal and NIL era that we're in? Truth, the, the past tells us no. Now, now Kiffin, they're kind of in a perfect storm right now. Kiffin, dude's a great coach, and he runs an exciting offense, so that's a factor too. But it, it's actually kind of like what Joe D. Camillus mentioned. He's like, hey, the, the teams that take advantage of the new rules best are going to be the ones that are going to be rolling, much like the Cowboys when free agency became a thing. So right. I, um, I, I want do, do lawyers sometimes make an argument and they're thinking to themselves, like this isn't this isn't a great argument. Hundred percent. Like, well, do, do you think these it, lawyers believe what they're saying, or is this just the best thing? Because if you're if you're a lawyer, you're paid to come up with an argument. You you gotta have something. You have to have something, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's like it's like it's like a you know a a G five team, you know FCS team going to play an SEC team. We got a game plan, right? It's not going to work <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very well most of the time. Yeah. You're just billing hours. Yeah. No. Well, that's a, the running joke with all this is the only winner is billable hours because right. lawyers on both sides just going to – I mean, the, whoever the NCAA has as lawyers, they don't have a good track record, but, man, they're making money hand over fist because it's – how many court cases do they have tied up right now? It's like oh, four or five. Several. I think there's another one that already being talked about going to court soon. Like, it's just – it's insane. Um, I'll kind of tie this in quickly here. This happened after we went off the air on Friday, but – you know, the SEC and the Big Ten, I really don't know what to call it. A collaboration, maybe? Like, it's not like don't a— call it the alliance. It's not an alliance. It's not a partnership. <laughs> it is an but alliance. It's, it's, it's a consulting of the two biggest conferences in all of college sports that—and Greg Sankey and, and the people, you know, at the front of this were sure to say, hey, this isn't us breaking away. This isn't us, like, making moves. We're just going to— discuss the ongoing things in college sports, maybe try and help move things along. I think that's kind of a placeholder for when it is time to move away. They'll be ready to do it. But, um, you know, we're, I think we're getting to the point where all this stuff is really pushing its limits to where now these conferences are having to say the two biggest ones that is that, Hey, we need to like figure out what's going on here and see if we can help out. Yeah. A lawyer buddy of mine just texted me and said, I believe everything I say, which is exactly what I expect a lawyer to say. But Anyway, here nor there. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I think this uh, partnership that, according to them, has no actual power right now whatsoever. Now is just the first step to what we have all been anticipating for for quite some time is the continued consolidation of power within college athletics, with clearly the SEC and the Big Ten holding most of the cards right now. And ultimately, I I think this is, you look at it, it's ESPN and Fox who are, are kind of holding all the cards as well. But by by these two basically mega powers saying we're going to work together as opposed to sort of clashing and, and going against each other, I think in, in a lot of ways it, it makes them more powerful 
as a, a combination. And so the it's not a great it's not a big leap at this point to imagine a world where the SEC and the Big Ten and their leaders are literally running college football. Like we we can say, oh, they they're running college football right now because they're the two biggest powers as far as the conferences go. But a world where they are literally making the rules and governing college football, it doesn't feel like we're too many steps away from that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so we'll keep an eye on that and see what comes of, of it going forward. We'll come back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Gamecocks will get their 19th consecutive win over the Ole Miss Rebels. Defeated into the far corner. It's not a Collins long jumper. No good. Fagan tips the rebound out to Ja, and that'll do it. Gamecocks stay unbeaten. They start the homestand with a big win over the second place Ole Miss Rebels, 85-56. to Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you for a few more minutes. That was the call. On the Gamecocks Radio Network yesterday, Brad Muller, as the women pick up the 85-56 victory over Ole Miss to improve to 21-0 on the season, 9-0 in conference play. And again, this is kind of what you expect with this team, picking up almost a 30-point win over a conference opponent. But but the big thing coming away from this game is they look ahead to Missouri later on this week and UConn coming up on Sunday, going to be playing without Camila Cardoso as she goes to play for the Brazilian national team in their route, uh, their pursuit of playing in the Olympics. And obviously she's the best player on this team. And they are obviously a lot of talent um, uh, around her, but that is something that maybe not worrying about Missouri on Thursday night, but when you take on UConn, who's number 11 right now, not having your best player, that certainly raises some concern. Yeah, it, it, uh, I mean, Cardoso's a force, right? I mean, there was there was a point in the game against Ole Miss where Ole Miss had really cut into the deficit. I think it was like one at the time, one to three points at that particular juncture, and they just went inside to Cardoso and she took over. I mean, she had several baskets in a row, she she's just an absolute force with her size, her her ability to finish around the basket, block shots, alter shots, and you know South Carolina. Nobody's going to feel bad for them because of the embarrassment of riches they have. But there's a reason that Cardoso is one of the best players in the country. You take her out of the equation, that creates, like you said, Tyler, some questions for you. So, you know, who do you look at? I think it depends on the matchups, mm-hmm. right? And you look at UConn, they do have a big and Aaliyah Edwards, who's a really good player. they got really good players around her. It's still UConn. It may not be a UConn team that completely dominated like they used to under Gino Ariema, but they're still a really good team, and they'll be really capable. I think what you look at is Sanaya Fagan, who's, came on, who's come on recently. You know, the guards are going to be even more important. It's a fascinating question. Well, you had a situation where you had – Kits with an illness, mm-hmm. and Ashton Watkins takes over as a starter. Yep. And I, I thought, especially at Auburn, I thought she played as well as maybe we've seen her play. And so She's strong yesterday as well. Yeah, do even though like right now, I guess technically, and you, it's kind of positionless basketball these days. Technically, I guess Kits and Watkins like play the same spot, and then they rotate in. There are times when they're on the court. We saw a, a few times around the court together on Sunday. 
is, is that is that your lineup? Are you getting Kitts and Watkins on the floor at the same time? How you know does does Kitts have? Are there any lingering effects of being sick that right. probably that probably plays into this as well? But I, I do think in in a weird way, Kitts missing some time, forcing you to go a little bit deeper as far as your post depth probably came at a strangely perfect time because it, it got um, Sakima Walker on the floor at Auburn a little bit more and um, probably prepares you. Th- this could be actually a good test in the long run. I was going to say, and Don Staley's probably not going to say it this way, but the fact that you're going to have to rely on everybody else to kind of figure out who can step up and, and who can be the the lead player on your team with Camilla Cardoso being out against a really good opponent like UConn. Like, look, South Carolina is the only undefeated team left in the country. They're going to be a number one seed, you know, unless they just fall apart. And, you know, not that you want to lose to UConn, but even if you did lose to UConn, it wouldn't be the end of the world because you still got all your goals out in front of you and, can, again, can still be a top seed and everything like that. So I think it is, you know, a challenge that they're probably excited to take on, like saying, okay, well, now we've been throwing this curveball because – who knows if she if Cardoso gets injured or maybe fouls out in a game or something like that, who's going to step up and who's going to be that person or that collection of talent that's going to help you lead you um, when your best player is not on the court. So next Sunday is going to be an opportunity to prove that. Yeah, and I, I think even for fans that, that love to kind of look ahead to the future as well, you maybe get a little glimpse of what Don Staley's thought process may be going into next season, which, uh, you know, that can be exciting as well. But you're you are going to miss her, obviously, but if there's a team in the country that can withstand not having their leading scorer, it, it is certainly South Carolina. And I, I think I look at I look at Cardoso almost she she's like a safety blanket for this team. So if everything else, look, look at some of the first halves they've had. Look at the LSU game. If shots aren't falling. If sort of this uh, spread the ball around, everybody gets involved, um, isn't working, they kind of just reset to look. We got we got six seven in the post. Let's feed her and let's make teams deal with that. You well, you lose that safety blanket. You do, and and she took over yesterday in the third quarter. South Carolina went on a run for halftime to open it up. She goes out there and scores ten points in the third quarter, and the game's pretty much over at that point in time. And saw her do a kind of a similar takeover in the fourth quarter against LSU a couple weeks back as well. Like she just has that ability to just dominate a game and take it over, and especially in some of those key moments. And again, you may be losing that, but that allows an opportunity for somebody else to step up, whether it be a Watkins, a Kitts, who who knows who may take on that role, but. Um, we'll get an opportunity to to learn a lot about this team over the next couple games without her uh, without her being a part of it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, excited to see what happens. Excited to watch this team keep growing. They they tend to step up the challenges. Watch out for Full Wiley mm-hmm. because obviously completely different position, right? But she tends to like to step up when the lights are brightest. I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't step up big as well. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show with Terry Ford coming up next right here on The Game. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first 
$5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. 